Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Okay, Eric Bilstadt, fair warning. I'm in a mood today. So, <laughs> all right. Uh-oh. Okay. Uh-oh. Yeah, well, I, I, I am in a mood. So that means I'll, I'll be hearing about stuff for the next couple of days, but that's fine. Okay, so the Big Ten announces they've got the schedule. First of all, what, what is the over-under that Big Ten football is going to complete the season this oh, year? What would you say the odds are? So <laughs> Complete the season. Very low. I say 20% chance they complete the season. I, I, I'd, say, I'd say about 2%. I mean, it's just for what I don't understand, and this is, first of all, as a starting point, what I don't understand is if, if you haven't figured out how to bring students back to in-person classes. And I understand some of the schools are doing different things, Mm -hmm. but some aren't. I mean, if you can't bring students back to learn, how in the world can you bring a football team back to to campus? I mean, that's question number one. Right, number two. You, you, you're having enough problems with like major league baseball and stuff where you've got professionals that are being that are you know you've got enough trouble keeping them from you know getting getting COVID. Okay, so you've got a football team and a traveling party that's maybe a hundred even larger than that. You've got college kids who are not prisoners. I mean, what you you know what they're going to be doing is that they're, they're going to be leaving the dorms. They're going to be going out. They're going to be socializing. You know darn well that, that they're going to be exposed to this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, you do. I mean, it's just, it, it, see, and, and again, so it strikes me as slim to none, but here is my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> here is my favorite part of, of Alvarez's press release. Okay, so so he says, look, we're, we're the deal is we're, we're not going to be able to have fans in the stand, et cetera, but we're hoping to play. Okay, uh, due, this is, I'm quoting now, due to the athletic department's financial straits from lost ticket and other stadium-generated revenue, Alvarez is asking fans who have purchased season tickets to make that purchase 100% tax-deductible as a donation to the university's athletic program. In other words, uh, okay, without further investment from our community, the experience we love at Badgers, at the, as Badgers is at risk. Um, we are looking at revenue losses, so here's what we want you to do. We want you to just give us the, the money. Yeah. Who, who in their right? Well, I, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. I mean, you, you do you do want to kind of go to the coach or the former coach and now athletic director and say, well, Barry, I'm, I'm sure that that's fine. But don't you realize what's been going on in the economy? And, and don't you see all these people who are Badgers fans who are unemployed? And I mean, really, you're, you're saying, OK, you know, maybe you've lost your job and stuff. But here, take take that money that you were going to donate and that you were going to keep. We're not going to give it back. Mm-hmm. You just give it to us. I, all right. Maybe some people will. You're just smiling. Hey, you, you just look skeptical. So. Oh, well, I, I'm just I'm, I'm thinking, OK, well, I, I mean, for, for the people that have lost their jobs or are struggling and stuff, my guess is they need the dough but more than the, the Badgers. they buying the Badger tickets. Oh, you yeah. don't think so? With the, the, the season, the, the full season, you think those people without jobs are the ones getting those tickets? I don't know. Well, if you're long term, you know, if you're a long term thing, thing with, without further investment okay. from our community, the experience we love at Badgers is at risk. Well, OK, well, I think that's a big ask for people in a COVID-19 world to donate the money from season ticket games that they're not good games that they're not going to be able to attend to just give it to the athletic department. And he says it's a charitable donation. But, you know, that's 
I don't, I don't even know how many people itemize anymore. Mm. So that's, that's just kind of that's the issue point. as well. I'm just, just color me as, as skeptical there. Okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll just see. All right. Someone's Let, in a mood. So where do we get, where do we start? Oh, yes. All right. Let's start with you just flat out can't fix stupid. Now, we, we talked about this, didn't take phone calls, at the very end of the, the program Monday. The, the story was breaking. And I sent out, if you follow me on Twitter, I sent out a picture, a, a photograph of this. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. Now, he, here's the deal. Let me say this at the beginning. Regardless of whether or not you happen to think that Tony Evers' one-size-fits-all statewide mask mandate is overly broad and or illegal. So this isn't whether you think the governor has the authority to do this. It's not whether you think it makes any sort of sense at all. That That's not the issue. There are certain things, when I look at photographs, I, I can only remember that you can't fix stupid. Now... There's no question we are in the middle of a pandemic. The pandemic has caused closures, which have forced lots and lots of businesses to close, never to reopen again. It has millions of people unemployed. And in some cases, perhaps in many cases, the jobs that people used to do are are gone and they're not coming back. And there is still an ongoing concern about people getting sick. There's no question we don't in this country have a handle on the numbers of people who are getting sick. Now, you you can argue about how significant that is. You can argue uh, about, gee, the, the numbers right now, the spikes you're seeing are in younger people who tend to have less serious consequences than, than older people um, or, or people that have the compromised immune systems or whatever. But nevertheless, we, we don't get back to normal in this country until we get a handle on the spread of, of coronavirus. And, and that's the bigger point. That That's larger than the mask question. And you wear masks indoors and outdoors. It, that that's, that's larger than the question of, gee, should you have to quarantine yourself if you go down to Chicago, if you've been in Door County over the weekend? But the fundamental issue is all this stuff doesn't go away until we get a handle on the spread of COVID-19. Now, what do we know? Well, we know that COVID-19 tends to be more likely to spread when you have people that are indoors than outdoors. But still, you know, being outdoors around people who might might be infected for long periods of time, that, that can't be good. So that's why I think a lot of people acknowledge that, you know, being with large groups of people is not a good idea. It's why, you know, we should be broadcasting from State Fair now, but we're not because State Fair couldn't happen this year. It's why we should have been broadcasting from Summerfest earlier this year, but Summerfest couldn't happen this year. It's why when you listen to the baseball games, you get fake crowd noise because there should be crowds at Miller Park, but they're not there because we can't bring large groups of people together, which brings me to the sandbar bash story. Now, every year at, at Lake Butamore, which is up by Oshkosh, you go over Lake Butamore if you're driving north on, on 45. Apparently, they, they have they have these, these parties. They get together. It's like a, they call it the, the bash. And what apparently happened is over the weekend, the party went on as scheduled and you have people that are on the beach you have people that are in the water and you have hundreds maybe thousands of people 
guys, nobody's wearing their shirts, gals in bathing suits. Uh, the pictures I'm looking at, not a single person wearing a mask. Now, again, they're, they're outside, but not a single person wearing a mask. And everybody is crowded together. Think, I mean, think spring break at Daytona Beach. That is what this looks like. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, it, it, the, the mask mandate wasn't violated because it doesn't apply to, to things that are outdoors. We discourage people from you know being in large outdoor settings, but there, there's not a law that prohibits it, all right? I look at this picture and what happened, and even though the law doesn't prevent it, I look at this and I say, how stupid, how irresponsible, and just how flat-out reckless can, can people be in the era of coronavirus to pile in hundreds, thousands of people shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder, you know, on, on a beach last Saturday? And, and at some point in time, you, I find myself wondering, and I'm somebody who argues that we should trust people to make the right decisions and do the right things. And I'm the type of, I'm the guy that doesn't think that, hey, if you want to sit outside on a patio with a couple friends, you should be able to do that. And I, I don't think the risk of contracting COVID-19 overwhelms the, the possibility and the, the need to have to like wear a mask or things like that. But then I look at this stuff and I think, how stupid can people be? 855-616-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, is there any justification for this behavior? Or is it, oh, we're just going to go out and, and, and we're going to have fun? 855-616-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can't fix stupid, can you? And what happened over the weekend in Oshkosh? These people going out and piling into a situation like this, whether they were permitted to do it or not, I think is incredibly stupid. We discuss. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Okay, Kyle says, Jeff, what any of us think doesn't matter. They have the right to do it. If you're willing to take the risk, go out. If you're going to be eternally fearful, stay home. Here in America, we have the right to decide for ourselves. This isn't communist China. No, 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 Kyle. You have the right to do it. But as we frequently say, just because you have the right to do something doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. I would argue that deciding that it's not a good idea when a pandemic is raising is raging to gather together shoulder to shoulder out on a beach with two or three thousand strangers, nobody wearing masks, nobody practicing social distancing. I don't think that's eternally fearful. I think that's just flat out stupid. It is the it's the equivalent of here, hold my beer and watch this as I jump off the cliff. <laughs> I mean that, I, and th- that's what I'm I'm looking at. Do, do they have the right to do it? Yeah, they have the right to do it. Am I saying that the government should have shut it down? No. But for those of us who are arguing that people can be responsible, that you don't need government regulation, et cetera, et cetera, I, I look at pictures like this and I think, oh, oh my goodness, don't you understand the, the damage that you are doing? Because most people look at this stuff and say, well, apparently we can't trust people. Mike in Waukesha. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Mike. You have ex- you have taken my thoughts exactly it is stupid to not 
do what is asked. We're trying to help everyone, not we, but but yeah. It's just it's it's meant to to help everyone, not not to just inconvenience anyone. Let's make this work and get over it. Well, I guess, and thanks, saying again. I, look, this is this isn't a mask discussion or anything like that. It, it's a. <sighs> It's a don't we have to be smart. The reason we don't have state fair this year is because, okay, it's just too much of a risk to have large numbers of people, indoors or outdoors, you know, coupled together. It's the reason why we're not going to baseball games. It's the reason why you're not going to have football games this fall with people in the stands. it's, It's just this idea that right now it's too risky to do that and as somebody who's not necessarily who's not a a mask mandate fan or anything like that i argue all the time we can be smart we can realize that and i'm sorry going to that event and hanging out shoulder to shoulder on a beach with thousands of people crammed together like that is just flat out not smart and people look at this and go, okay, what are these folks thinking? All right, Matt in Waukesha. Matt, you're on WTMJ. Hey, how's it going? Hi, Matt. My note says you were actually at this event. I was, yes, correct. Okay. Were you on the beach or were you somewhere else? Uh, I was actually in the boats uh, along with all the other people um, that were on the outskirts of it. Um, okay. You know, the pictures kind of are a little bit deceiving. Um, granted, there was quite a few people that were in the, in the middle by the concert. Right. But there are a lot of people also social distancing on the yeah. boats and doing the, kind of the right thing, you know. Okay. Um, granted, like I said, the pictures were, you know, a little deceiving, but, uh, yeah. Okay, so let me ask you this. Okay, so, so you're there. You're, you're out in the boat. So you're, you're, you are, by necess- by you, you are socially distant, as, as you're distancing. As you look at, at the beach and you see all these people together, tell me honestly, what were you thinking? You know, to me, honestly, I didn't think there was that much wrong with it. I mean... Yeah, a lot of people are just out there having fun. I mean, granted, we're in the middle of a pandemic and whatnot, but you can't tell me that multiple people out there haven't been, you know, to a concert before. People that disagree with this haven't been to a concert before. They could be sick that said, you know, hey, I'm going to go to a concert anyways. Yeah. Um, you know, even with the flu, you know, I, I just, to me, I don't, I think everyone is out there having fun. I don't really think that there is much of an issue. Um, okay. Well, th- well, I guess that, I mean, we, I mean, time, time will tell, but as somebody, who wants to get through this really quickly and and see, and I, I don't want, I don't want to get to a point where you, you've got the governor who decides he wants to shut down the economy again. And and we have further, you know, problems with businesses. I I don't want to see the government have to step in and put more restrictions on it. But I guess I I look at these things and I say, at the same time, we, we need to be, we need to be smart about this. Now, look, I, I, I understand that I'm, I'm older than probably a lot of the people that were out at the thing. But I mean, look, I, I, I like the ability to be able to go out to eat and sit on a patio and stuff. But just because I like that ability doesn't mean that I think it's a good idea for to, to just pile in shoulder to shoulder with hundreds or, or thousands of, of complete strangers. It, it's why I argued that I don't think the protests were such a good idea. But this wasn't even that. This was, you know, people, again, people deciding that they want to, like, socialize and they want to go out and have fun. And it's just... To me, it's just irresponsible. Now, I guess that's the best way to phrase it. It's just flat out irresponsible to do that. 
And if people just dial it back for a little bit, just just kind of dial it back and say, okay, well, gee, there's a reason why all these concerts have been canceled. There's a reason why we're putting all these limitations in as we try to figure out, you know, what how we get a handle on what's going on. Because I think we all agree that you got to get a handle on this before we can return to some degree of normalcy. You do want to say, okay, don't we expect more from people than hold my beer and watch this? And that's what was going on over the weekend. It's kind of hold my beer, watch this, I'm going to pile in and I'm going to hang out shoulder to shoulder with thousands of people. Do you have a right to do it? Yeah, you, you have a right to do it. Were you violating laws? No, I don't think you were violating laws. But at the same time, it was just dumb to do that. And I would argue irresponsible. And for those of us who are arguing and trying to fight the government as it tries to impose different restrictions in this area, believing and arguing that we should be able to trust ourselves to do the right thing. Pictures like came out over the weekend. I don't know. Uh, guys like me get that thrown up in our face. So you think you can trust people. And then look at what happened in Oshkosh. What were people thinking? Seriously. Back with more in just a minute. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. What a difference a year and a half makes. March 11, 2019. March 11, 2019. I, I, I'd open up the phone lines and say, do you know what happened then? But nobody would probably get it. March 11th, 2019. Press conference was held. I'm looking at some of the pictures of this. You had Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett. You had the head of the Democratic National Committee, uh, Tom Perez. You had Alex Lazary, Milwaukee Bucks Senior Vice President, leading the local committee. Um, these were all people who, who put in the bids for Milwaukee to host the Democratic National Convention. And on March 11, 2019, it was announced that Milwaukee was going to be selected. Uh, Tom Perez, he's the Democratic National Committee chairman. This is what he said. He said, don't forget, folks, 490 days, this place will be hopping. Okay, well, never mind. The projections, if you will recall, were that 50,000 visitors were going to be coming to southeastern Wisconsin. They estimated that there would be a $200 million-plus economic boost from this event. Um, You had hotel rooms in Illinois and all throughout Wisconsin that were going to be booked. Remember, we we had multiple discussions, and the big issue at the time was, should you extend the the bar closing time from 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. so delegates could drink longer, spending more money in town? Remember all that? Well, 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 never mind. Because, as has been apparent for quite a while, the Democratic National Convention, in any sort of meaningful fashion, wasn't wasn't going to happen. And I, I mean, I've been saying this for for months. Um, the the idea of delegates traveling from across the country and staying in hotel rooms. It was pretty apparent to me months and months ago that 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 just flat out wasn't going to happen. A lot of the delegates, for example, I mean, they're they're ordinary people who work at jobs. Many of those jobs are gone. They weren't going to be spending the money to come here anyways. And when you go through month after month after month and you have hotels that are closed and restaurants that are closed, it becomes less likely. So the Democratic National Convention has been continually being downsized. First of all, 
they decided, okay, we don't need Pfizer Forum. Let's move it to the UW Panther Arena. But the projection was, don't worry, Joe Biden's going to be here. Vice presidential nominee, whoever that's going to be, is going to be here. We're still going to have events. Might only be two hours a night, but yes, and it might be a lot of virtual stuff, but it's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And today, well, it is the final nail in the coffin. Joe Biden, the announcing he's not coming to Milwaukee. Um, he, he's not even coming to Milwaukee to show up in a TV studio to give a televised address. He's not coming to Milwaukee. No other speakers are going to come to Milwaukee to address the, the convention. He is, this is Biden, he's going to accept the party's presidential nomination from his home in Delaware. So in, in other words, we, we have, like I said earlier, you know, Bob Dylan had, had the basement tapes. Well, Joe Biden is running the basement campaign. You know, he, he's not going to be leaving his home. The organizers say, after ongoing consultation with public health officials and experts who underscored the worsening coronavirus pandemic, the Democratic National Convention Committee announced today speakers for the Democratic National Convention will no longer travel to Milwaukee in order to prevent risking the health of our health host community. In order to prevent risking the health of our host community. So if Biden and his limited entourage comes to Milwaukee, they're afraid they're going to get people sick, as well as the convention's production team, security officials, community partners, media, and others necessary to orchestrate the event. To which I would say, well, well, wait a second. <laughs> you know, you, you know, we're, we're we're televising Major League Baseball games and we're we're televising golf tournaments, so you do have production members who are going out there and and they're able to to do this. All right, here's what I think is going on. I think. This is part of a broader strategy to really run a basement campaign. The idea is, the perception is, that that Joe Biden is way ahead in this race. That Joe Biden really, there's almost nothing he can do to lose the race to Donald Trump. And I think what you're seeing is this is the precursor to a campaign where Biden might not be out in public at all. There might be little or no public appearances at, at all. Might be some interviews with friendly journalists. That's kind of an, an oxymoron. So he might do a couple interviews or things like that. Maybe some controlled speeches from his living room or his den or his basement or whatever. But I think this is a precursor to canceling the debates. The, the same argument, okay, we, we can't have him travel to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to accept the nomination, even if all that means is being in a room where there's a couple TV cameras and a handful of people. If that's the rationale for why he can't come to Milwaukee, I would think that that rationale would be equally as compelling as to why he can't go to Indiana or the other places that the three debates are scheduled. Do not be surprised if you see Biden pull out of all of the presidential debates using the same rationale. Because like I say, if it's valid, if it's a valid excuse, well, I can't travel to Milwaukee uh, because I, I, I don't want the production team to risk getting sick. Well, isn't that also an argument against participating in any of the debates? Okay, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. 
do we need presidential debates? Biden's not coming. I don't mean to be a conspiracy theorist here, but it seems to me, again, the same rationale you are using to say, okay, we're not going to come and and accept a speech where we can't travel to Milwaukee on our private jet, get met at the airport with a private limousine, be taken to, I don't know, wherever the location is that you're going to give the speech. The, The idea that you can't do that because of health concerns. Well, that's the same justification for saying, well, we can't we can't travel and, and participate in any of these debates. And I think as long as Biden figures he can get away with it, this may very well be the strategy. There's a lot of stories that are out there. People are saying people, particularly Democratic advisors, saying you've got nothing to gain. You're 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 way ahead in, in the polls. And the only thing that can happen by going through a debate with Donald Trump, and I don't know this is going to happen because I've not been impressed by Trump's last couple interviews, but the only thing that can happen is that you get on the stage and you underperform. You you look like you're old. You look like you're senile. You look like you're feeble. You, you know, again, demonstrate that you're not fit for the job. So, and I'm not saying that he would look like that. I'm just saying that that is the concern that's out there. By staying in the basement, you don't have to take that risk. So will we see debates? Do we need debates? And if Biden begs off on them, will it hurt him with the general public? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Personally, I believe Donald Trump's best, perhaps last hope, is going face-to-face with Joe Biden, and if he can, exposing Biden as no longer fit for the job. And I'm not taking any position about whether Biden is or not. I'm just saying I think that's Trump's I think that's Trump's best chance of getting reelected. And for that reason, I think Biden might be laying the groundwork for just not participating in these things at all. 855-616-1620, we discuss in a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. See, Joe Biden has previously said he's going to be in Milwaukee. That was, I'm going to be in Milwaukee. I'm going to accept the nomination. Even if the convention is virtual, I, I'm, I'm going to be there. Well, now they're announcing today, no, he's not going to be there. And the argument is, well, we, we've got health concerns. My point is, if you agree with the basic premise that Biden is ahead right now, and I think people feel that way, one of the game changers could be debates. The same justification they are using to say Joe Biden's not coming to Milwaukee to accept the nomination after previously saying he was, that, those same rationale you could equally apply to the debates. Will he back out, figuring he has nothing to gain and everything to lose, and will it hurt him? 855-616-1620. Vincent on the northwest side. Hi, Vincent. Uh, good morning, Jeff. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, you know, the thing is, is that as a Democrat, I believe this is a huge mistake for uh, Joe Biden not to come to Milwaukee to accept the nomination for president. I think he should put on some gloves, some, some mask, and some goggles, and he needs to get here. And and he could stand in whatever room he wants to mm-hmm. and, and, and accept a nomination, him and his uh, uh, presumptive uh, VP. So yeah. uh, the fact is, uh, I think it's a huge mistake. And if, as far as debate's concerned, it's so many ways you can do a debate. He should not say, well, you know, I can't do the debate. The fact is, they could be in separate rooms. It mm-hmm. doesn't yeah. matter. And, and get questions. The fact is, he needs to do the debates. 
Tell me why. Why do you think he need? Why do you think he needs to do the debates? Because there's a lot of people around him. I think are saying, "Hey, you got nothing to gain from the debates and everything to lose if you look like you're not ready for prime time." I'm sorry. The American people need to see their 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 uh, 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 nominees for president. I'm sorry. They need to see and understand what their policies are, what they stand on, what they disagree on, and 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 and, to, and just to sit back and to say, no, I can't do these do these things and just do it for and just do these little promos that he's doing. I don't mm-hmm. think is enough to get him across the line. So, Ness, I think he needs to do these debates. It's important to him and probably important to uh, uh, President Trump. But the fact is, uh, we need to see him stand up there and look presidential. Okay, thanks for calling. I, I guess I, I, I don't know. Here's, here's a text. Jeff, did you see the last two interviews with Fox News and Axios that President Trump did? Not entirely sure a debate is going to help that his cause either. Uh, yes, I was very underwhelmed by the last two interviews that the president has, has done. There, there's no question about it. And, and by the way, I, I mean, I don't, I do think a debate would be interesting theater. I question, I mean, I don't know. I question how Joe Biden would respond to attacks from President Trump. But, yeah, I mean, Trump's got his own issues as well. But to me, again, going back to the basic premise, if if the same rationale that you use for not physically coming to Milwaukee after guaranteeing that you were going to do that, that's the same rationale for pulling out of the debate. Um, Jeff, do you think the Democrats will offer up debates for the vice presidential candidates to show how good a candidate she is? No, I mean, I think the thing would be, if if the Democrats and the Biden campaign decides there's nothing to be gained from this, then you, you're not going to see in-person debates. Um, let's see. Um, Jeff, it's pretty pathetic when your campaign strategy is to keep your candidate out of the spotlight because you're worried he will screw it up. Well, I, I you know, I, I guess that's one way to do it. The other justification would be if you say... Well, our, our candidates way, way ahead. You know, it's the fourth quarter and our football team is ahead by, you know, four touchdowns. Why do we need to take risks? You know, let's, let's, let's just kind of run out the clock. Now, I, again, I, I'm not arguing that that's the state of the race necessarily, but I think there's, you know, lots of people that are, that, that figure that that's the case. Jeff, Joe Biden is unable to perform without a script or a prepared speech. The Democratic Party does not want him participating in a debate in any way, as I believe that he would bury himself. I, I don't know. But, I mean, again, if you reach that conclusion that you've got nothing to gain from this, well, well then the the pandemic is a pretty convenient excuse. Because, look, let's let's break this down. The idea And the explanation for why Biden is not coming to Milwaukee in person is a bunch of hooey. I I mean, when you seriously think about that, okay, what what is there are people that travel for business on a regular basis, even in the era of covid-19. So Joe Biden goes out of his house in Delaware. He takes a limousine with the Secret Service entourage. He goes to whatever private airport they fly out of. They get on the private chartered plane. You fly to Milwaukee. You are greeted at the airport by Tom Barrett, by other members of the delegation who have probably been COVID tested themselves. You get in the limousine with the Secret Service entourage. You drive to whatever TV studio you're going to be doing this from. You make the appearance. Maybe you spend the night. Maybe you don't. I mean, really, that's a situation where you're talking about risks. I mean, give me a break. The, the whole thing, I think, is hooey in, in that 
regard, unless you're trying to, again, lay the groundwork for saying, all right, this, this is going to be a campaign like no others. We're not going to do rallies. We're not going to be traveling around the country. What we're going to do is we're going to just base this completely on TV and radio ads. And, you know, we'll cherry pick a couple journalists to come in and sit down and, and do friendly interviews. And, and maybe that's a winning strategy. I, I mean, I'm not criticizing the strategy ne- strategy necessarily. I'm just saying I, I think that that's one of the things you're starting to see. Louise in Cedarburg. Louise, you're in WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Louise. Uh, this brings to mind uh, anybody who knows anything about history and FDR. Uh, they might remember that he had polio, mm-hmm. and when he, and but he appeared every place. Uh, he had people uh, who held him up. In right. fact, a lot of people didn't know he was paralyzed. He would go if he sat in a wheelchair. He had a blanket. He did not want to appear weak to the American people or to the world so he put himself through what he needed to do we're back to this if this gentleman is running who's running for president does not appear in person he it appears that something's wrong he's weak what is going what's wrong here well but you think but, that but, but let me stop you that public. well but but the mm-hmm. argument the argument is louise that look we're in the middle of a pandemic um we're telling people to socially distance we're telling people to avoid crowds we're telling people to avoid unnecessary travel so why i mean the argument would be why does he have to go outside of his house i mean he can he can do the tv interviews he can do whatever he wants he can do everything from his house he doesn't need to go to indiana or he doesn't need to go to milwaukee he doesn't need to go to those tv studios that would be the argument well i'm sorry um i don't agree and you brought up the fact i mean we have private planes private cars private everything he could come to milwaukee and be private nobody would see him ex- uh, right. except a small group of people and be televised you are absolutely right we're watching baseball we're watching there's no reason i mean if you go back to fdr they didn't have uh, all the technical that we have today and this man's running for president you cannot run from your basement well, uh, and not have the public see you well, this is absurd i uh, thank you well you, you say that louise but i i think i I think this may very well be the the basement campaign. You, you say you can't run for president. I look, look. I I don't know where I'm, this is going, but I, I do tell you when I do say when I read the reason for backing out on the commitment to come to Milwaukee and and be here in person. It's the same justification that you could use for backing out of the various debates. And given the fact that there's a lot of people out there who believe that there's nothing to be gained. And and again, I'm getting all these emails from people saying, hey, have you seen the Trump interviews? Trump's lousy. Trump's unfit for office as well. And Biden would eat him up. Oh, OK, may, maybe that's may, maybe that's the case. I, I don't know. But that's. Look, if Biden gets on the same stage with Donald Trump, that is definitely a risk. Let us be honest. Joe Biden underperformed during the Democrat, the debates when you had all the different Democrats, especially that went after it. Okay, if you're honest, he underperformed. His performance was underwhelming, I think, in in the extreme. Now, maybe Donald Trump's not the guy to expose that. Maybe he'll be better. Maybe those Democratic debates were just, again, bad nights for Joe Biden. I, I don't know any of that. I mean, that's one of the things... 
that you you just kind of evaluate at, at the time. All I'm saying is I think that it's very, very possible that these two things are, in fact, related. And to the point our last caller was making, that this may be the first presidential election in a long, long time where you don't see the candidates sharing a stage and interacting. And if that's the case, it will be because the Biden campaign decided he has nothing to gain and everything to lose. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Sir, it's Bill Stett. What's going on with Christian Yelich? I don't know. It's He, he looks a little broken at the moment. Well, a little? <laughs> no, no. A lot broken. I, I mean, here. I mean, for people who haven't been following this, um, he, he's hitting like 088. 0-8-8. Um, uh, he's striking out 43% of the time, striking out 43% of the time. It's the the worst slump of his eight year career. And of course, you know, an abbreviated 60 game season, you know, and the Brewers are struggling, let's face it. And, and, you know, Yelich is the guy that, you know, you need him to play at an all-star level if they're going to have any chance of competing. And Mm -hmm. he's, he's not, you know, um, you know, who's really upset about this? Okay, fantasy baseball players. Oh, you know, yeah. you, you mean you know, you're playing fantasy baseball and Christian Yelich, you know, one of the the top yeah, players in the game. Yeah. A- Absolutely, a lot invested. You're going. He's hitting zero eighty eight and striking out forty percent of the time. I assume he's going to come around. I I know it's we're, we're getting a little bit into the season now, well, that's so it's a, a little pr- bit right. more concerning. But like, I I just I feel like he's going to snap out of it, and then in a couple of weeks we're going to be like, okay, it's well it back could, to normal. It could be. You know what I what I wonder is. I wonder if he's still hurt because because remember what people ah. you know what people forget is he had a, a pretty catastrophic but he busted his kneecap That's right, right. You know, it, catastrophic yeah. you know injury at the end of you know last year Good in point. early September and I just I mean I kind of wonder and I, look I'm not a doctor I don't know but he, it's so completely I mean out of character for for him to be struggling as much as he is that you kind of wonder. Has that thrown him off yeah. for a while? I mean, he's missing pitches he never missed before. He's he's just not right. So, I, boy, I hope you're wrong. That's, well, I mean, it's not to say that he might not be able to come back from that. I'm just I'm wondering because sometimes you know you have these I'm injuries sure. yeah, and it yeah. takes it just takes a while. I just I haven't heard that discussed. But I'm looking at it like the guy, and unfortunately, it looks like he looks like me on a golf course from time to time. <laughs> just, just doesn't have a clue. I had a yeah. I played golf yesterday. I had a great round. I mean, it was like one of these things going. Why can't I do this all the time? But then I'll go out. Tomorrow afternoon or Sunday or whatever to be like you've, you've just never had a golf club in your hand before. <laughs> but he 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 kind of looks like that. I'm just I'm wondering if he's still hurt. I just oh, you know I you know they, they won't say anything like that. But I wonder how long it takes to come back from one of those injuries. He'll like get that. you. He'll, He'll get, get you. well absolutely. And if you're a fantasy baseball, stick with him. You know you're you're already invested. Hey, if you follow me on Twitter, I sent out it's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. I just I, I sent out something that is sure to be food for conversation. Um, the the story that that's out there as to the justification that Biden has for not coming to Milwaukee and accepting the thing the nomination in person. And and all I'm here to say is the same rationale that the Biden campaign is using to justify not coming to Milwaukee for the convention would apply equally to the debates. And if Biden decides he has nothing to gain, don't be surprised if he pulls out of those two. 
Not predicting it's necessarily going to happen, but this is the groundwork that's being laid for that because, again, the same justification, the idea of, well, you know, you've got this pandemic, we, we don't want to travel, and you're going to have production crews, and you're going to have a host committee, and, you know, we, we don't want to expose them and all this. It's the same rationale that you could apply to debates. So just don't be surprised. And if you want to see the tweet, it's at uh, Jeff Wagner. Follow me at Jeff Wagner 620. Okay. Epic Systems. I wonder how many people have heard of Epic Systems. Gru, have you ever heard of Epic Systems? Uh, yeah, the, you're talking about the company out of Madison, right? Company out of Verona, right, out, out of Madison. Epic Systems employs almost 10,000 people. They are the one of the two largest health software companies in, in the world. Um, they, they've got 20, they've got a, their campus is like a thousand acres and they have, they have 28 buildings on, on this campus. And like I say, they employ nine to 10,000 people. And, and what they do is it's, it's electronic health records. So they're, they're involved in, they, they have contracting all over the, the world with, hospitals and like storing records for example and i don't know um like the my my health provider for example has this thing called my chart where you can you can access your health records electronically you know so you know and epic systems develop i believe they develop like my chart so that's the type of thing that that they do it's it's just it's huge their their revenue last year 3.2 3.2 B as in billion dollars. All right. So w- what happened was when the coronavirus pandemic first hit, they they, they sent about two thirds of their workers home. Um, there's been a- about a third of their employees, so ballpark around 3,000 people who've continued to work on on the campus on in in the various buildings since this pandemic hit. But that means you've got six to seven thousand people who haven't been been working at home and originally who have been working from home and telecommuting. And originally, I think that the plan was, or at least what some employees thought the plan was, is that they're not going to that, that they're not going to come back until the fall. Maybe they're not going to come back in, until next year. Well, OK, Epic Systems has now announced that um, we're bringing people back. They, they've said that, you know, in analyzing what our needs are, in analyzing how our business functions, we we don't think the working remotely is working for us at an optimum basis. So they are going to require their all their employees to be back at campus. And they're going to start to roll it out, I think, next week or something, with the idea being by the end, and it's going to be gradual, but by the end of September or the middle of September, they're going to have all their their workers back. Now, if there are individual employees who have particular susceptibilities or, or health issues and can, you know, and can justify, you know, a, a need to work remotely, they'll, they'll consider that. But the blanket policy is you're, you're coming back unless you can demonstrate that this compelling need not to. Um, they say, look, here, here's why we have to do it. I'm looking at their statement. Working 
in person on our campus is integral to cultivating the culture necessary to produce our software. And so that that's what they say. They say if you don't comply, if you're not willing to, to come back, um, you're going to have to take an unpaid leave of absence and and you might be fired. So they're, they're saying you don't have a choice. You have to come back. Now, the employees are upset, or at least a lot of the employees are upset. And they, they've gone national with this, saying how awful this employer is for requiring them to come back. Here's what one employee says, and I'm looking at the story in the Madison Papers. It's terrifying. I do not feel like there is any way Epic can guarantee the campus is 100% safe. Just the incidental contact you have with people, whether it's in the parking lot or the cafeteria or passing people in the hallway. So one employer said, I, I, you can't guarantee to me that it's 100% safe. To which I would say, I, look, I've been in office settings ever since I graduated from law school. All right, there, there's never an office setting that is 100% safe. I mean, you, you can't, you, I, you can never guarantee that somebody that you come into contact with isn't going to have the flu, or and I understand COVID's different than the flu, but or isn't going to have the measles, or isn't going to have so you, you 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 know if the goal is you can't come back into an office until the employer can guarantee it's a hundred percent safe. Well, nobody's ever going to be able to go back to any office because no office is ever going to be one hundred percent safe. Our number eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, Epic says to the employees. As a general rule, unless you've got some really specific justification, you got to be back. And if you're not back on our campus, you're either going to be given an unpaid leave of absence or you may be fired. 855-616-1620. Is that an unreasonable position for Epic to take since they have apparently decided that the work-at-home model isn't working for them? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, feel free to, free to disagree with me on this. But my take on it is I think the company has every right to do that. If the company is deciding that working at home isn't working for the company, I think they have every right to say, okay, you got to come back. And if people decide not to come back, Okay, that's fine. That's the decision they're making, just like the baseball players or the football players get to opt out of the season if they think it's an unreasonable risk. But I don't think Epic has an obligation to offer the remote working if they figure that's not working for the company. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And if you as an individual employee feel uncomfortable going back into an office setting, fine, you got all sorts of choices, and one of those choices is just saying, okay, I'm not coming back. I'm going to look for another job. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't think the company has an obligation, if it feels it's not in the interest of the company, to offer employees the ability to work at home. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's a couple texts before we go to the calls. Jeff, my husband has been working at his job in, manuf- in a manufacturing setting with over 300 employees since the pandemic began. Why are office employees better than anyone else? If they don't like the policy at Epic, then they should quit and get another job. Steve Tex, Jeff, the company has the right, especially it's very important and essential when medical records are their main business. Um, Jeff, Epic is okay to tell people to return. If employees don't like it, then find another place to work. Hope the economy will not be in, help the company will not be in court because people have other ideas to get even with Epic. Um, Jeff, if the, the company, if the company has a right to mandate a mask, they can mandate their employees be at work. For those that are scared, do what you need to do to protect your Self, Jeff, working at home works if you have the resources to perform your job efficiently. Obviously, the jobs are not getting done as required. Um, well, you know, and look, around here, I think, you know, our, our offices have been closed to all but a limited number of employees. Our sales department people aren't back. The people that schedule the commercials aren't back. Our marketing people aren't, aren't back. And, and I know that are, I think, I'm pretty confident that our management, you know, believes that it's better to have everybody in than, than out. And at some point in time, I, I figure they're, they're going to just decide that they're going to have to start bringing some people back. At some point in time, I don't know when that that's going to be. Now, for example, um, I was at the beginning of this, I worked at home for 11 weeks. I could do my show from home. And then I got the call saying, okay, we think it's okay to bring you in. Do you have any concerns? And my response was, no, I, I, I can you guarantee a hundred percent safety? Well, we'll no, but you know, we've taken all these different precautions. I think it's as safe as it can possibly be understanding that in any sort of environment, unless you're just by yourself in the basement, you know, you, you run the risk that you, you're, you're going to, you know, perhaps, catch a cold or or catch COVID or whatever, but we've done the best we can. But I think the company has every right to say, all right, you know, look, we we need you to come in and do do your job in person. And of course, the choice the employee then has is, all right, well, I, I don't feel comfortable with doing this. You know, maybe it's time to try to find some other place to work. Nancy in Germantown. Nancy, you're in WTMJ. Hello. I hate to say it, but I missed the very beginning of your story. Was there a reason why Epic said that it wasn't working out? Well, well, what Epic says, I've got the, the statement here. What Epic says is having employees working in person on campus is integral to cultivating the culture necessary to produce software. So um, they're, they're just saying they, they need people okay. back there. Well, have you been to their campus? Did you talk about their campus at well, all? It's, it's huge, yeah. It's 28 buildings, um, a th- over 1,000 acres, yep. I mean, it's they've spent so much money on it, and the buildings are so fantastic. All these themed buildings are just unbelievable. They're catered to the very young crowd, and they recruit just thousands of new college graduates every year. It would be a waste for them if they let people work remotely because they look kind of silly with this absolutely humongous campus Mm -hmm. and people working remotely. But yet the kind of jobs that they do there are ones that could very easily. I'm I'm sorry. And he worked for... Pardon? No, well, I, your, your cell phone cut out there. Well, I, I guess, Nancy, the thing is, you know, we, we say that they're the type of jobs that could be done remotely. Obviously, Epic doesn't feel that way because they're they're bringing them back. 
that's... I mean, I... Uh, that's, that, that sucks for the people that work there that aren't comfortable with that situation. Well, no, th- thanks for... No, it, it does. It, it sucks for... That's a great way of saying it. It sucks for the people that work there that aren't comfortable with that. But at the same time, they're... I, I mean, I, I think you, you can make the argument that it it's it sucks for the people that are you know working at the pick and saves or the the Myers is the checkout people or the people that are like driving the trucks and doing the deliveries through all this. And again, I it, if one of the the things is going to be, I think over the course of the last several months, some employers are employers are finding that hey, we we can let people work at home, and maybe we don't need as much space, and, and maybe lots of people are just as productive if we bring them in once a week. I I don't know what the rationale behind Epic's decision is, other than the fact that I think they get to make that call. I don't think an employer has an obligation to say, all right, we're we're not going to, you're you're not going to have to come back to campus for, you know, six months or a year or two years. If they want to offer that option, I, I think that that's great. But obviously that option isn't working for them or they don't think it's working for them, so they're ready to bring people back. And and again, I, I respect the fact that people have the right to make that choice. But, you know, uh, if if you feel uncomfortable going back, then, then you shouldn't go back. But Epic has a right to say, okay, then don't let the door hit you on the way out. Here's a text, Jeff. I would love to work at Epic. Let me know when they have the mass exodus. Well, I, you know, you know, who knows? Jeff, wake up employee. No company owes you anything more beyond its compliance with local laws and regulations. It's in the interest of all employers to provide a reasonable effort to be safe. If not, they're not going to sustain their employees who are getting sick in the workplace. But I did think it was really interesting when I was looking at this story. And like I say, one of the employees is saying, well, they can't guarantee that I'm going to be 100% safe. They can't guarantee the campus is 100% safe, to which I would say, okay, if that is now the standard, no, no employer can guarantee that any sta- any workplace is going to be 100% safe. Yeah, I would argue that you can't guarantee that your residence is going to be, you know, 100% safe. I mean, you you can't guarantee that you're not going to be able to get going to get sick. And, you know, life doesn't owe you a living. If the company feels that you got to come back, you got two choices. You go back or alternatively, you go find something else to do. I don't think Epic is the bad guy here, but this story is going national. Um, so far, they're, they're not backing down. They're saying well, we need people back. Good for them. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I have been thinking about all the different public agencies and entities and personal politicians we, we've talked about over the you know last 20 plus years and you know I, I think it's pretty clear that locally or statewide the worst and I think this is a big designation the, the worst public agency group of elected officials are around here had to be the Milwaukee County Board circa 2001 or 2002. This, together with the, the county executive at the time, the late Tom Ament, gave Milwaukee County taxpayers what we call the pension scandal, and it's something we're, we're still paying for. It's where the, the county board voted to change the pension plan, and we, we've talked about this, but the bottom line is it resulted in making county employees, including 
some local politicians rich beyond the dreams of avarice. And, and I understand that the officials at the time, oh, we, we didn't know. We, 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 we didn't realize that this is what the effect was going to be. So, okay, so they're either, you know, incompetent, um, inept, or they're, they're kind of crooked. You know, that, that was it. But, you know, the pension scandal is something that has continued to plague the Milwaukee County finances for the last couple decades. And that was a product of, again, misfeasance, malfeasance, or downright incompetence by the county board as it was constituted. So that, that's the gold standard for incompetence. But th- there, are, there are other agencies, boards, etc., which are, are giving that, that county board back in 2002, they're giving them a run for the money. And, and one of those is currently the Milwaukee Fire and Police Commission. Now, when you look up the definition of the term hot mess or dumpster fire in the dictionary, you will see a picture of the members of the Milwaukee Fire and Police Commission. I mean, it's just, it's a mess. They can't keep executive directors. The the chairman of the Fire and Police Commission has issues which, I will put it like this, if what he did was not an ethical violation, well, it, it certainly should have been. You've got the local newspaper writing editorial saying he, he's got to go. Uh, nobody knows what to do with the Fire and Police Commission. And at the same time, you've got you've got crime in the city of Milwaukee, which is just absolutely out of control, homicide numbers through the roof, shooting numbers through the roof, and the Fire and Police Commission has decided that they're going to launch into this vendetta, and for reasons that escape me other than I think there's this huge political motivation that's out there. They're, they're trying to dump the police chief, who is the first police chief in the last 20 years, who who actually, I, I think, has the backing of a large chunk of the community and certainly has the banking backing of rank-and-file police officers. But but they're, they're trying to figure out how to force Chief Morales out, which is just, again, it makes your head want to explode. Well, one of the things that the Fire and Police Commission has done is they, they have directed, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm looking at the directive now. They've directed the chief to work with them in order to change department policy to discontinue the use of tear gas and pepper spray. That, that's the directive. We want you to stop using tear gas and pepper spray. All right? Well, once... Now, who knows what the Democratic National Convention is going to look like. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. But, you know, one of the things that the police department had done was they had, you know, reached out to all these law enforcement agencies to get them to to lend officers to come to Milwaukee to help with all the crowd control issues and things like that. Well, once the word got out that the Fire and Police Commission wanted to discontinue the use of pepper spray and tear gas, commonly used crowd control measures when you're dealing with rioters and looters and unwieldy crowds. Well, once the word got out, what you saw is all these police agencies across the state said, look, we're, this is crazy. We're, we're If these are the rules, we're not sending our officers down to Milwaukee to get hurt by, you know, people who, when the crowd is told not to disperse and they, to dis- disperse and they don't, then start throwing bricks and rocks, etc. We're not putting our officers in situations where, you know, they, they can't use pepper spray to try to move the crowd along. So the Milwaukee Fire and Police Commission, it's almost impossible for as incompetent an agency as this to get bad publicity, but they're getting bad publicity about this. So the other day they come out and they say, well, our tear gas directive has been shamelessly exploited and distorted. 
to which I would say, okay, what, what, what part of we want a policy to discontinue the use of tear gas? What, what part of that is shamelessly distorted? So here's the interesting thing. Well, what happens is that they, they demand that the chief explain why they, they used tear gas the last six times they did during the looting, the riots, the protests. You know, what? why did you use this? So the police, they, they, they've come out. They said, okay, there, there's been six occasions between May 29th and June 23rd. Um, we used tear gas May 29th through the 31st. Unrest outside police districts clogged nearby streets with traffic, onlookers, reckless drivers, people setting fire to a dumpster, looting, climbing on a bus, a tactical vehicle, and a nearby Burger King roof. Shots were fired in the districts on at least two of those nights. Large groups of people were told to disperse. They refused to do that. May 29th, an officer was shot in the foot. Another got a concussion when he was hit in the head with a piece of concrete. So they said, yes, we used We used tear gas to disperse the crowd. June 2nd, 6th and McKinley, a group of protesters faced off with the police. Police began firing smoke and pepper spray after protesters threw objects at the officers, refused to leave, etc. Someone had previously thrown a Molotov cocktail at them that failed to ignite. People threw rocks, bottles, and asphalt at the officers. So, yes, after having bottles, rocks, and asphalt thrown at them, they used tear gas to get rid of the crowd. Um, They used tear gas to disperse a crowd June 4th when a fleeing vehicle hit and dragged a person in the crowd, hit two officers. June 23rd, chaotic scene outside the Washington Park, outside a Washington Park house. Officers were trying to regain control of the situation. They'd been at the scene earlier in the day, and this is where that mob came and, and broke into the home um, in search of two missing girls who were believed to be inside. Home was set on fire in the early evening. Fire crews arrived. People attacked the fire crews. Yes, people, and the, they used tear gas to disperse the crowd. Okay, so so it goes on and on, but but you get the idea. The Fire and Police Commission is like, well, why would you use tear gas? We want you to discontinue the use. And the police are essentially saying, do you understand what we are facing out on the street? We've got people throwing stuff at us. We've got people setting stuff on fire. We've got shots fired. We've got crowds that will not disperse. You're darn right we're using tear gas. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. To me, if you want just a classic example of how out of touch, out of control, and out of their minds the Milwaukee Fire and Police Commission is, you look at this directive to figure out how to discontinue the use of tear gas and pepper spray. Faced with large crowds, you need to give the police the tools they need to defend themselves, to defend other people, and to defend property. And non-lethal things like tear gas, is it's certainly better than alternatives which are allowing the crowds to continue to get out of control to the point that you then have to be more aggressive in, in, in dealing with them. And, and if the alternative of the Fire and Police Commission is, well, just let the looters run, have the run of the city, 
Well, okay, I don't think that's a suitable alternative. 855-616-1620, that's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line, to suggest to an urban police department that you shouldn't be allowed to use tear gas is, at least in my opinion, what's the word I'm looking for? Nuts. Just plain nuts. And one of the questions I have is, if this is the, if this is what passes, for control of a police department, I kind of wonder why Chief Morales wants anything to do with it anyways. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, should we not allow the police to use tear gas and pepper spray and things like that to disperse crowds? Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, John in Waukesha, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, I don't normally listen to your show, but I do keep up with the news locally. Um, I just wanted to uh, give you a little input, or my input anyway, as far as the police chief is concerned in Milwaukee. I believe he's doing a great job, and I think the police, uh, the fire and police commission should all be fired. Yeah. I think it's a ridiculous scenario that this man has to work for a committee uh, where I think he'd be far better off with being accountable to just one person, not being the mayor. Well, you know, it's, it's, thanks for calling, John. I mean, it, it's, it is interesting. I mean, the, the mayor, really at the end of the day, he kind of is accountable to the mayor. Now, I, I, the, the mayor appoints the members of the Fire and Police Commission. The mayor has the authority to overrule the directive. So, for example, Tom Barrett, you know, could come off of the milk carton and could say, all right, look, I, I've been looking at this. I think it's absolutely crazy. To, to say that for an urban police department that's faced with looting and rioting, I think it's absolutely crazy to say that we need to discontinue the use of tear gas. All right, he, he could say that, but Barrett doesn't want to say that. Barrett, you're right, he could he could step in, but Barrett's been completely and totally missing in action. Barrett, uh, for whatever reason, has decided he doesn't want to get in the middle of this. I, I think he wants the chief gone. Chief Morales was never his first choice. So I think his hope is that the Fire and Police Commission is going to make it so miserable that there's either a justification for trying to fire him and or what, what's ultimately going to happen is they're going to, they're going to I expect, end up getting rid of him and then paying him off for the balance of his contract. And, and then the question is going to be, okay, we're going to bring in a new chief who's going to be a toady for Tom Barrett. What is that chief going to do that, that's different? And what's going to happen with the rank-and-file law enforcement officers in the city of Milwaukee who already feel betrayed by the Fire and Police Commission and, and the mayor? But Barrett could intervene in this situation should he choose to do so, but for reasons that I think are pretty apparent but are obviously known only to Tom Barrett, he's just decided, you know, not to do this. Um, Jeff, it's un- here's some text. It's unbelievable to me to think that we're even considering anarchy. Well, that's precisely what we're doing. You're considering anarchy. And, and you have a handful of members of the, of the Milwaukee Common Council who've decided that they wanted, they're siding with the mob because they stick their finger in the air and it's the way the political wind is blowing right now. Here, we, we want the act, we want the, the loud, angry voices. 
We want them to support us. We want them to be nice to us. And so we're going to support them without thinking of what that's really doing for the vast, and I hate to use the term silent majority because it's got Nixonian overtones, but there is, I think, a silent majority of people out there that, that look at the riots, look at the attacks on the police officers, look at the lootings, look at the arsons, and say, this is not the type of community that, that we want to belong to. And to that's not to say that there aren't issues with police community relations, but at the same time, that this idea that here we're going to pull the police out of these areas or we're going to treat the police as bad guys, to me, just absolutely unbelievable. I was looking at, um, oh gosh, what's what's the story here? Over the weekend, the, the shootings have not gone down. The crime in the city of Milwaukee not going down at all and you know meanwhile you know we have a fire and police commission which is worried that gee they're, they're, they're using tear gas after people throw bricks chunks of concrete and fire bombs at the police uh, Jeff let's line up the fire and police commission throw bricks full of f- frozen water bottles at them and see if they feel the same way well no it's unacceptable period Jeff preventing the police from using less lethal devices like pepper spray and tear gas that's some kind of nonsense I would expect it from the goofy mayor in Madison and her minions not Milwaukee Chief Morales rocks. Well, no, I think you could say you got a goofy mayor in Milwaukee and his minions. Um, it, it's just it's just all bizarre that, that's out there. And we've really gone through th- this looking glass. And part of it is, I think, just this overreaction to all right, we've got these social justice protests that are there. And so what we have to do is we have to give the people that are protesting, we've got to give them everything they want, even though some of the stuff they want is just flat out crazy. Not all of it, but some of it. Back with more in just a minute. I do have an honorable mention for one of the the, the worst legislators slash public officials in, in the area, and that's um, Jonathan Brostoff. He's a state representative who represents, well, the, the east side of Milwaukee, um, starting like right right after Shorewood ends, like, like going down. Extremely liberal. And I, I bring this up because... Here's the background. Over the weekend, over the weekend, you you have the carnage and shooting violence goes on in the city of Milwaukee. Sixteen people shot over the weekend in Milwaukee, including three 16-year-olds. Sixteen people shot. 35-year-old woman found dead in a dumpster Saturday night. So, again, I, I just I bring this up because... You've got all these real issues with with crime that are out there, and one of the unfortunate things is you you have a lot of these irresponsible state representatives, members of the Common Council, members of the Fire and Police Commission, who are, well, eerily silent when it comes to, I don't know, dead women being found in dumpsters and people being shot on a a regular basis. And as I often say, anytime there's a shooting, it's it's there but for the grace of God that it's not a, a homicide. So... What is Brostoff upset about? What is he upset about? All right. Apparently, Chief Morales on Monday goes out to a, a fundraiser, like a, a support your local police fundraiser in West Allis at the West Alley and Brewery Company. And, and, and what he does is he poses for some pictures with some of the people that are there. And apparently, I hope you're ready for this, he pulls down his mask 
when he's taking the pictures. You know, he's like posing with pictures from people. So this gets out on social media, and Brostoff gets upset. He's calling for the removal of Morales as the chief. Um, because this is what he says. Was he trying to end the corruption within MPD, working on meeting the directives he was given by the FPC? No, he's having a COVID-19 party in West Dallas. Contact the Fire and Police Commission and let them know he's got to go. My comment to the representative is, all right, this is what you are upset about. Dead women in dumpsters. No, that doesn't get a mention. People being shot. 16-year-olds being shot on the city of Milwaukee. No, that doesn't get a mention at all. He's upset that the chief is at a fundraiser and pulls down his mask to pose for a couple pictures. If you want to understand how screwed up the city of Milwaukee is, and to an extent how screwed up the state is, right? This, these are the type of people we've got in elected office. Give me a break. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So very glad to have you with us. Uh, Tom Barrett's in the process of giving an update on the DNC. We're rolling on that. We'll bring you some. Uh, we'll bring you some information about that in just a little bit. I want to switch to uh, the, the idea of, of the cancel culture and where this comes into play. Uh, are you familiar with the movie Kindergarten Cop, 1990 movie? Arnold Schwarzenegger, and and Arnold Schwarzenegger playing against type, uh, essentially. Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, made made his career as kind of an action film star and things like that. And in in Kindergarten Cop, if you're not, I I don't know that I think it's that great a movie, but the bottom line is he's a police officer, and they're investigating uh, a, a a drug ring, et cetera, et cetera. And what happens is he and his partner get sent out of town to this small town, and they're going to be conducting the investigation because they're looking for a fugitive, et cetera, et cetera. And what happens is through a series of events, you know, only designed in Hollywood, he ends up teaching kindergarten. He ends up as the kindergarten teacher, and the the movie gets a lot of laughs about Arnold Schwarzenegger, this big giant guy teaching kindergarten kids, all right? But but the whole idea is he's a police officer that the – you know, while while he's, it's kind of a, a comedy, but it's also sort of a drama because you're trying to figure out, okay, what, who, who's the bad guy and what's going to happen, et cetera, et cetera. But you put a, you put a police officer, even in undercover capacity, in in the classroom. All right, so here here is the story: Kindergarten Cop has now been canceled in Oregon. Um, there was the the movie was supposed to be screened at the end of the week as part of the, this film festival that they were were having. It was going to be the kickoff event for the, this summer drive-in series that they were having, you know, out in, in Oregon. Well, what happened is, um, also, it was made, part of the movie was made in Oregon. So it, it's got, you know, an even... You know, an even you know bigger tie there. You have again somebody on on Twitter who um, goes goes nuts about this and talks about how the film is exploitive. Um, it references a school to prison pipeline. 
says police frequently arrest American children and throw them in jail. Here's the tweet. What's so funny about the school-to-prison pipeline? Kindergarten cop-out. Tell the film center there's nothing fun in cops traumatizing kids. National reckoning on over-policing is a weird time to revive kindergarten cop. We are trying to end the school-to-prison pipeline. Okay, um, five and six-year-olds handcuffed and hauled off to jail routinely in this country. This criminalizing of children increases dramatically when cops are assigned to work in schools. This is the, the critic. Yes, Kindergarten Cop is only a movie, so are Birth of a Nation and Gone with the Wind, but we recognize films like these are not good family fun. They are relics of how pop culture feeds racist assumptions. Kindergarten Cop romanticizes over policing in the United States. And in the wake of complaints, the film center decides, okay, well, well, maybe maybe we don't want to show this movie. We're going to cancel it because, well, we, we don't want some people to be offended by this, and we don't want to, I don't know, glorify police officers in school systems. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I'm not a huge Arnold Schwarzenegger fan, and I, I'm not... I'm, I, I wouldn't list Kindergarten Cop certainly as one of my favorite movies. But you know what? It, it's a, an action movie with comedic overtones set in taking this action film hero and putting him in this unfamiliar setting where he's, you know, interacting with children who, by the way, you know, at the end of the movie, I hope I'm not giving anything away, he decides to stop being a cop and switch over and be a kindergarten teacher. So, I mean, it, it's it's heartwarming in that respect, but it's also, you know, got the dramatic elements. But but here's the bottom line. It, it, this is the cancel culture here. And do we now need to say, OK, any any film that dramatizes uh, the, the job of police. And in this case, you've got uh, it's, it's a pro police thing. The police catch the bad guy. The kids love Arnold Schwarzenegger as a as a teacher. OK, so it's a positive pro police thing. Have we reached the point in America in 2020 where we can't show kindergarten cop because, well, it's going to glorify I don't know, police traumatizing children, or it paints a, an officer in a schoolroom setting in a positive vein. Haven't we just gone too far? And, and it's it's amazing to me that, that we've gone as far as we could in, in this brief period of time. But first it's gone with the wind, and now now it's kindergarten cop. Really? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it time to kind of look at this cancel culture and say, this is going too far? This is just absolutely crazy. And just because you have some wacko that's out there that's got their own agenda and wants to, I don't know, just put the worst spin on everything, don't we need to stand up and say, look, this is crazy. We're not going to go this far. All right. Kindergarten cop. All right. Should we cancel this? And if we cancel that, what else do we cancel? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And if you remember that, that movie, 
I'd be particularly interested in talking to you. I mean, is it, do, do you think about it, that movie as being something that, I don't know, you know, glorifies violence and traumatizes children? Or is it just kind of reflective of, you know, a 1990s sort of drama comedy? We discuss in just a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. Let's start with uh, Jane in Madison. Hi, Jane. Hi, thanks for taking my call. All sure. I can think of right now is when I was a little kid, I swear I went to a play out at the Melody Thought Theater with my parents called Stop the World, I Want to Get Off. Because <laughs> I, th- I think that's at the point that I'm at because it's like they've gone crazy. I know kindergarten cops, seen it numerous times. It's one of those, your channel surfing, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's an enjoyable thing to watch when there's nothing else. And we've recently thought there's nothing horrifically violent in that movie um, compared to what I've seen when I'm channel surfing on regular TV with those SBU or whatever type shows that have been running where they're mm-hmm. showing much more graphic stuff that could be traumatizing to a child. And the thought that a, a police officer in a classroom in any way, shape, or form in that movie is traumatizing, yeah. um, if you really watch it, there's more learning experiences in it for kids and parents than there are you know anything trauma like well see what's frustrating me jane is this is this is just this anti-police rhetoric and and mindset that that's out there in in certain people to the point that okay you've you've got something that portrays in this case you know arnold schwarzenegger as, as a police officer it portrays him in a positive light they catch the crook he goes on to have such a great relationship with the kids that he's teaching how dare we portray the police in a positive fashion so we can't even allow people to see it anymore I'm in this. Oh, my gosh, a little child may grow up and and respect an officer or even have self-respect in themselves, because that's one of the lessons in the thing is, you know, self-responsibility. I don't know. I think they're just going crazy. And I guess I'm I'm saddened that that's the way we're going rather than everybody having a way to. Right. You know, enjoy what movie you want to enjoy. Okay, Jane, I want you to I want you to give everybody who's listening to us a a history lesson, because I. You made reference to the Melody Top. Now, I know what that is. I, I went to it on multiple <laughs> occasions. But t- tell people, what was the Melody Top that you were referring to? It was an out. I, I can't think of it. I want to say off of Good Hope. Road, Good Hope maybe. in 76. An, yep. Okay, yes. It was an outdoor theater that was of somewhat of a permanent structure. It had a huge tent over it. Mm-hmm. But the seats and everything were permanent. And you sat in a big round circle. Yeah. Um, and all summer long... Uh, plays were brought in, and with big-name actors and actresses, I remember, I want to say Douglas Sheehan from one of the soap operas came in one time and did Pirates of Penzance. Okay, that, that's your example of a bi- that's your example of the big name TV guy, the guy that was on General well, Hospital. Yeah, I mean, no, I know, I know what you when, mean. When when you're when you're a little kid with your parents, that's you know that's, yeah. that's ooh, you know somebody who's on TV was a yeah. big name type of thing. Yeah. Um, but I remember he got like three standing ovations, so that that's how that stuck. But they had. It was live theater in the round, yep. and it was pretty much, unless it was a tornado warning, you were there type yep. of situation there. Yeah, no, that was, um, no, we, we it, was, it, it was fabulous. What are the, thanks to call, Jay. No, you're, you're exactly, I mean, I, okay, so it was on like 76 and Good Hope, it was on Good Hope right before you got to 76th Street. It's right where the, um, kind of right by where the Eline soccer fields are now, but she's exactly right. It was, it was summer dinner theater. And, except they didn't offer dinner, but it was like summer theater. So I guess that doesn't make it dinner theater. And, and what they would do is like every 
every week or two, they, they would change the productions and they and they would have like the B list and the C list stars, the, the people who you would expect to see out doing like the dinner theater type of thing, except it was a step above that. And I mean, I can remember seeing all sorts of, of touring productions. Now this, this wasn't like the Broadway cast of Cats or anything like that, but I can remember seeing like 1776 there and my, my parents, had a a subscription to this, and so they'd have I don't know in the course of a given show five six seven eight I don't know how many different performances, and they had tickets to these different things, and we used to go to Melody Top on a on a regular basis, and it was it was like musical theater, and she's right, it was in this like big big tent, and you 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 kind of went in and you saw the shows, and they did bring like I want to say that the C list sort of celebrities, the people that were out there touring, but you know Julie Andrews wasn't there, but you know. But at the same time, it was kind of interesting. I love Melody Top. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Joe in Appleton. Joe, kindergarten cop. Is it time to take it off TV? No, absolutely not. And it, it never will be taken off because you could stream it forever. But um, And it'll probably get a lot of people watching yeah. it now that haven't seen it. But, I mean, I absolutely love the movie. And um, I think it must be something in the water out there on, on the uh, West Coast because it's just, I think they're just moving the bar, trying to stretch it a little bit further and see what they can get here. And then the next time, see what they can get the next time. But Kindergarten Cop, I mean, for real. I hope Arnold comes in and says something about this. I just love to hear him because he's been silent for yeah, I haven't heard anything from him for a while. Well, no, it'd be nice to hear him say, like, I'll be back or something like that. Well, well that's, that's exactly it. Now, look, I understand that there are there are movies that especially you you look at this there's something that's made in 1939 and and you look at some of the stuff and you apply the the 2020 sensibilities to it and I mean gone with the wind is this classic thing i i mean i do I think they should have pulled Gone with the Wind off TV? No. Um, it's, it's now back and it's going to have like a five minute disclaimer explaining it. And that, that's, that's okay. But I mean, Gone with the Wind was a product of, of its time and it was based on, on the, the famous, you know, book that, that was produced that way. And, and this idea that, okay, just because it's got a glorified view of, of the, you know, the, the South that we, we can't portray that. Well, that, that, to me, that that's absurd. History is what history is. But this is even a wilder and a weirder conversation because it's again, it's this anti-police mob mentality that's out there about you know, okay, we we can't show anything that's going to be like positive and and show that you've got okay a police officer that that's in this setting. So. At some point in time, if, if you get a chance, check it out. Like I guess I don't know that I think it's the greatest movie, but there's certainly nothing about this movie in 2020 which would justify an inability to show it in public. This is Jeff Wagner.